All right, you're going to dismiss Children's Church. If any children are left, follow the gillies out the door there to your left. Thank you for that song. I'm always amazed when someone can sing so pretty. I'm always amazed when someone played the piano so nice. But I'm really amazed when somebody can do both. And thank you for doing that tonight. That was beautiful. What an encouragement that was. Turn your Bibles again, you would please, to Isaiah 28. Isaiah 28. Many of you ask me how that I am doing physically, and I'm so grateful for that. You know, I know many of you pray for me. I am uh, I'm gradually getting better. I'm probably about 80 to 85 percent where I used to be, and uh, I probably may not get any better than that because the bottom part of my heart was damaged in my heart attack, and basically when I work outside, I can work uh, probably an hour, hour and a half, got to sit down for a few minutes, and I can go back to work. So I can't work steadily for a long time without getting tired. That's not complaining, it's just what, I, uh, what things are. And so in the process, many of you know that after I had my heart attack, that I had pneumonia, double pneumonia, and I, I coughed for days uh, during that time, and it affected my vocal cords and my voice box. So in the process, many of you know that when I preach several times, my voice gets raspy and uh, stuff like that, so I have to protect that. Um, today was unusual. This is my fourth time preaching today. I did the early service, uh, for, and it was communion, so I had a message set aside for that. I did Sunday school, a message, then I did 11 o'clock service, which is a message on our church theme, and then I did a deacon's meeting at 4 o'clock, and so I'm here tonight. And again, I'm not complaining. I just want to share with you many times why I do what I do. Uh, we have communion every Sunday. We have it alternate between the early service and the evening service. And when we have it, the early service, typically I ask one of my assistant pastors uh, to do that for me. Therefore, I don't have to produce another message in addition to the other three I'm doing already. Uh, but he said, why didn't you do that this morning, Pastor? The reason why, because I've been out of the pulpit so much this past month because of uh, the vacation. And, and I want to make sure I still had a job. <laughs> so anyway... That's the reason I'm doing all of it today. And most of the time when I have a deacon's meeting, I ask a pastor to preach that night because it is a long Sunday. And so if my voice seems a little raspy tonight, <coughs> I've earned it. And so I'm trying to remember that. So anyway, I do appreciate your prayers. Keep praying for me. God's been good to me. And uh, uh, the fact that I've preached four times a day, to me, that's a miracle. And uh, so I'm grateful for that. So anyway... Uh, tonight, we're going to talk about the truth about lying. The truth about lying. How about you? I'm disturbed uh, about all the lying among politicians. When I watch television and see all the, they just, they just outright lie. I mean, bold face lying. It's just part of them. And it should not surprise us. How many does that, that bother you? And it's just lying, lying, lying. When I heard the State of the Union, they just, I couldn't believe all that was said. And yet it just comes natural for them. But you know what's tragic? Even God's people lie. Now, we should not be surprised when unsaved people lie. But many of God's people, in fact, Paul addressed it among the Ephesian believers and the Colossian believers because there was lying going on. I think even Christians lie today because they don't think it's that bad. They think, well, maybe it's like breaking the speed limit. It's not that bad. I lie here. It's not that bad. And they justify it and just make it a part of life. Many times it's a habit from unsaved life. 
they lied all the time and when they were unsaved. And so it's brought over into the Christian life. Let me ask you, do you ever lie? Do you ever purposely say something is true because you might want to protect yourself from something? Here in our text here, I will not focus on all of it, but there's one verse, verse 15. We're going to see that God's people found refuge in lies. They knew they would be in trouble. They knew they might get caught, so they, I'll have safety if I lie. And look what it says back in verse 14. He said, Wherefore, hear the word of the Lord, ye scornful men that rule this people which are in Jerusalem. He's talking about the leadership in Jerusalem. In verse 15, because you have said, we've made a covenant with death, and with hell we are in agreement. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come upon us. Why? For we've made lies our what? Our refuge. And under falsehoods, we have hid ourselves. Now, this, over, this overflowing scourge was the Assyrians coming down to attack God's people. And they said, we have found safety from this scourge, this judgment coming upon us. And it will not happen to us because we've made lies our refuge. And so many times, even God's people, when they do something wrong, they find safety, they find uh, protection by lying. They make lie in the refuge. And let me ask you a question. Do you lie? Is that a part of your life as a Christian? And so today I'd like to look at the truth about lying and see what the Bible says. And we all know lying's wrong. We all know that lying's sin. Yet even God's people, knowing that to be true, still lie. Because they find safety, they find refuge, try to avoid getting in trouble by lying. So let's look at that tonight. Look at the refuge there. First of all, let's look at the character of God. (coughs) Excuse me, the character of God. First of all, the Bible tells us that God cannot lie. How many are grateful for that? Our God cannot lie. Look over in Titus chapter 1, please. Titus chapter 1. The Bible says God cannot lie. It didn't say he chooses not to lie. It didn't say that he makes that a part of his life. He can't do it. It's contrary to his character. It's one thing about our God being a holy, perfect, righteous God, my friend. He cannot lie. In Titus chapter 1, verse 2, Titus 1, verse 2, it says, In hope of eternal life, underline this next phrase, please, which God, what? that cannot lie, promised before the world began. One reason we can have full assurance of salvation, that we can know for certain heavens are home because the God who cannot lie promised it. The God who cannot say something that's not true, when he promised eternal life, I can bank on it, I can have assurance on it, I can be assured of that fact because God who promised it, he cannot lie. What a tremendous verse it is. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. But let it be next thing about God. It is impossible for God to lie. He cannot lie. It is impossible for God to lie. Hebrews 6, will be the verse will be on the screen. Hebrews 6, 18. It says, the writer of Hebrews says that by two immutable things. What does the word immutable mean? Unchanged. Something that will not change. By two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. You underline that, please. Now, if you're using church Bible, don't unline it, please. <laughs> Only if it's your own Bible. God cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie. And we have a strong 
consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set for us. We find refuge and great hope in the fact that God cannot lie. That when God says something, we can count on it. Because he cannot lie, it's impossible for him to lie. Lying is totally opposite of the God's character. And we think of God when he lies something. Somebody says, anything God cannot do, he can't lie. It's impossible for him to lie. Because that's his character. Next, about, about this, all God's works are done in truth. All God's works, everything he does, he does in truth. In Psalm 33, verse 4, for the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. Think about that. Everything he does, all the works he does, is always done in truth. Never in lies. He doesn't do something in lying or something unhandly, something deceitfully. deceitfully. He always works it done in truth. So the character of God, three things about that. Don't forget this. Our God cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie. And all the works, everything he does is always done in truth. So we looked at the character of God. Number two, now look at the enemy of God. The enemy of God. Of course, that's Satan himself. The Bible says Satan is called the father of lies. Satan is called the father of lies. So you have your Bibles now. Turn with me to John chapter 8, please. John chapter 8. You can let go of Titus. You can let go of Isaiah. The Bible says Satan, God's enemy, is the very father, the originator of lies. The first person who ever lied is Satan. So he's called the father of lies. Look at this verse, please. John 8, 44. Many of you know this verse. I forgot to share with you. Uh, as a boy one time, I lied to my dad. The worst spanking I ever got as a boy is when I lied. Many of you heard this story. My brother and his friends were out in front of our house. I lived in Clearwater, Florida. We lived on a dirt road. Not much traffic out there. And they were out there playing softball. I ran out of the house out there. I wanted to play with them. I loved playing ball. So I ran out there and asked my brother, hey, can I play? And usually an older brother doesn't want a younger brother hanging around with his friends. He says, no, get out of here. Just go on home. Go back to the house. So I walked away from the game, and I walked up to the house, and we had a front porch. I sat on it. I sat there and pouted. And I, I couldn't play. I was upset, and I, and I wanted to play a game. I was watching them. I wanted to be involved with it. I couldn't do it because he said, get out of here. So as I was watching, one of the boys, when he was pitched the ball, hit the ball, and it rolled up right where I was sitting, right, right to where I was at. And I thought to myself, if I can't play, nobody's going to play. <laughs> so what I did, I grabbed the ball and ran in the house, and I ran, I ran into my bedroom, hid the ball underneath my bed. I ran into the living room where my dad was sitting. This was on a Saturday. He was in there uh, watching television. And I sat down beside him, and I said, here, I'll be safe. All of a sudden, my dad goes to the door, and one of the boys that were playing ball, in fact, it was his ball that I took. It was at the door. And my dad looked down at him. He says, uh, young man, can I help you? And he says, uh, Mr. Peterson, we're here playing ball, and David took our ball, and we wonder if we can get it back. Now, interesting, my dad watched the whole thing. 
Isn't it neat, interesting how your parents can see, just like God, they see everything. He watched the whole situation, knew exactly what happened. I didn't know that. So he's standing there, and he called me and said, David, come over here, son. I walked up there. My dad was very tall. He's over six feet. I looked up at him. Looked at me. He says, son, did you take the ball? No, sir. Now, he knew I took it. He saw me take it. And he looked down at me. He says, son, are you certain? Did you take the ball? No, sir. I haven't seen it. I've been sitting with you. Now, I willfully and deliberately lied to my dad. And what did he do? He went into the bedroom where he knew I took the ball. He grabbed the ball, come back out, and he came out holding up. He can let me know he got the ball. He hands it to the boy at the door. The boy went back out to play, and my dad shut the door. And what did my dad do? <laughs> let me tell you what he did not do. He did not say, son, you willfully, deliberately lied, which I did. Pack your bags. Get out of here. You're no longer part of this family. He didn't do that. He didn't kick me out. In fact, a sound that as a 69-year-old man hears still brings chills to my back is when the belt pulls through the loops of a pants. You know what I'm talking about? Get that? How many understand that noise? He pulled that belt, folded it together, and he grabbed me by the arm, and boy, he, he used the phrase, he tore me up. <laughs> and boy, so let me tell you, at that time, as far as I know, I never lied to my dad again, because I remember that whooping I got. And so I understand about lying, and I did it. And, and uh, I need to understand, we all need to understand, as a Christian, that's contrary to God's character. God doesn't lie. But it, the enemy of God does. And that's what it says here in John 8, 44. Here Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. He says, Ye are of the, your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. He abode not in the truth, because there is what? No truth in him. When he speaketh a lie... He speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So the enemy of God is a liar. He's the father of lies. Lies originated with him. So basically, Christian, when you lie, you are imitating Satan. When you lie, you're imitating Satan. You're doing what the father of lies does. The enemy of God. The second thing about the enemy of God, not only is Satan called the father of lies, let her be, Lying is doing the work of Satan. Lying is doing the work of Satan. When God's people choose to lie, though they seek to take refuge and I find safety, I won't get in trouble if I lie, they're doing the work of Satan. Turn with me now to the book of 2 Thessalonians, please. 2 Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians in chapter 2, please. Lying is doing the work of Satan. Notice what it says about Satan's works, his deeds. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. <clears throat> Here it's talking about the Antichrist, which would be a man that will be indwelt by Satan himself, doing the work of Satan. Chapter 2, verse 9. Even him, about the Antichrist, whose coming is after the what? 
working of Satan with all power and signs and what? Lion wonders. Basically, what he's saying here, the Antichrist would deceive people by the means of miracles. And he used them to deceive and lie, trying to bear witness of who he is. Then it says in verse 10, it says, With all deceitfulness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. My friend, lying is Satan's nature. Truth is the nature of our God. Lie is the nature of God's enemy, Satan. Keep that in mind. So first of all, we looked at the character of God. Then we saw the enemy of God. Now let's look at the word of God. What does God's word say about lying? First of all, let's look at God's view of lying. Well, how does God view? Now, the God who cannot lie, that's contrary to his character, something he cannot do. How does he view lying? First of all, number one, God hates lying. God hates lying. So if you would, please, I know you just found Thessalonians. Go, go me out of Proverbs, please. Proverbs chapter 6. <clears throat> what I'm trying to do is help you and I understand a wonderful God who loves us and saved us is a God who cannot lie. It's contrary to his character, his nature. And the same ought to be true of you and I. The Bible says, as a Christian, you are ambassadors of Christ. That means you represent God. So if God cannot lie, what kind of representation should we give of him? Will it be people that do not lie? Though we can lie, we ought to choose not to, because it's, uh, lying is not a representation of our God, but the God of this world. Proverbs 6, please. Chapter 6, verse 16. Now, when you look up here, please. In the scripture, God gives us six things God hates. Now, before we read it, many of you may know this already. If God would make a list of six things he hates, what do you think he'd put there? I'm sure we'd put all kind of horrible things new. But I want you other six, look up here, other six, two of them refer to lying. Look what it says. If you were at verse 16, these six things doth God hate, yea, seven are abomination to him. Verse 17, a proud look. What's the second one? A lying tongue. God hates a lying tongue. Read on. And hands that shed innocent blood. I think of those who commit abortions on that. That shed innocent blood. Verse 18. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Next. Feet that be swift running to mischief. Verse 19. And what kind of witness? A false witness that speaketh lies. Interesting. Of the six things God quotes, he, he hates, says he hates, two of them refers to lying. And he goes on to say, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Now, of all the things God could have put there, he could have put adultery, he could have put fornication, he could have put, you know, abusing children, he could have taught all kinds of things. And God does hate those. But when he made a list, he mentioned of the list two of things, lying. That God hates lying and a false witness that speaks lies. So God's view of lying, he hates it. Next, the Bible says lying is an abomination to God. The word abomination is a very strong, powerful word. Something that God detests. He cannot stand. It's contrary to who he is and his nature. 
abomination. Bring the verse be on the screen. Proverbs 12, verse 22. It says, lying lips are what? An abomination of the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. Lying lips. So think about this. As you, in your mind as a Christian, maybe you are in a habit of lying. That you know it's wrong, you know you should not do it, but you justify it because you say it's not that bad. It's no big thing. Everybody's doing it, and so I would do it. We need to remember God hates it. If God hates it, you ought to hate it too. And it's an abomination against the God of heaven. So when you choose to lie, you choose to do something that God hates and something that's an abomination to him. Number three, talking about God's view of lying. Number three, lying is sin. Let's not forget that. Though we can justify it, rationalize it, and we try to find protection in lies, we take refuge in lies, as God's people did in Isaiah, there are fine safety. I won't get in trouble if I lie about this. Lying is sin. Exodus 20, verse 16, was one of the commandments of God, the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not, what? Bear false witness against thy neighbor. It means thou shalt not lie. So God comes out in his commandments, thou shalt not lie. Now, how does the Bible define sin? Uh, the next verse is put on the screen. 1 John 3, 4. For whoso committeth sin transgresseth also the law. And it goes on to say, for sin is the transgressor law. What does God's law say? Thou shalt not lie. So when I break that law, training law, I'm sinning. So think about this again. Now, I'm trying to instill in you a, a, a godly attitude about something. It's about lying. If you're here tonight and you lie, now I don't know. I'm not preaching this because I know somebody in our church lies. I don't know that. I hope you don't. But if you do, because somehow you rationalize it, that it's just part of life, I've done it forever, and everybody's doing it, and I'm doing it, it's not that big a thing, you need to realize that the God of heaven who saved you hates it. It's abolishing him, and when you lie, you're purposely, willfully choosing to sin. You're doing that which the very thing sent the Savior to the cross, and which he died for. Number four. The fourth thing about God's view of lying, the Bible says God will punish liars. God will punish liars. A verse to be believe on your screen, and I'm sorry, Proverbs 19, verse 5. A false witness shall not be what? Unpunished. So basically, when you choose a lie, and you may take some kind of form of refuge and safety. I won't get in trouble if I lie. My friend, God knows you lied. Now, man, you may get by with it with man, but you cannot with God. And the Bible says a false witness shall not be unpunished. You need to realize when I choose a lie, I'm choosing to do something that God will punish me for. Number five, we're talking about God's view of lying. He hates it, it's an abomination, it is sin. He will punish liars. And I found this interesting in preparation's message. Liars are mentioned with the worst of sinners. Liars are mentioned with the worst of sinners. Go with me now to 1 Timothy, please. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Here he mentions some sins that most of us would not even think about doing, less on doing. 
because the terrible, the horrible, that is the worst of humanity. And yet, amidst all these terrible sins, what does God place there? Lying. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, please. 1 Timothy 1, verse 8. Paul wrote, they said, but we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. Verse 9. Knowing this, that the law is not made for the righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, read on, and for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy, for the profane, for murderers of fathers, murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves, talking about homosexuality, those that defile themselves with mankind, with men-stealers, talking about people that do uh, human trafficking, men-stealers. And what's the next word there? For liars. Now think about this. If you rationalize that lying is not that bad, God mentions lying with murdering, with whoremongering, with men-stealing, and and so on. He says, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that's contrary to sound doctrine. So what I'm trying to do for this sake is get you to see lying from God's perspective. It's not just, oh, it's not that bad. It's not something that's just we can just overlook and say, it's not, my friend, God mentions it with people who are homosexuals. He mentions it with those that are uh, whoremongers, those that are perverted, those that are murderers, ungodly. He mentions that. And he mentioned it there because he wants you to understand how God views that. It's a terrible thing. Now, we saw God's view of lying. We're talking about the word of God, God's view of lying. Now, let's look at the righteous man's view of lying. Would you consider yourself a righteous man? Would you consider yourself a godly person? If so, what should your view of lying be? I'm glad you asked. A righteous man hates lying. Just like God hates lying, a righteous man, a righteous woman hates lying. Proverbs 13, 5. It comes out and say, A righteous man hateth lying, but a wicked man is loathsome and cometh to shame. Psalm 119, verse 29. David said, A righteous man, a man for God's own heart, remove from me the way of lying and grant me thy law Graciously, I have chosen the way of truth. Interesting. David, a man after God's own heart, said, Remove from me the way of lying, because I have chosen the way of truth. In Psalm 119, verse 163, David said, I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. So we're talking about the righteous view of lying. The righteous man hates lying. Number two, Believers are admonished not to lie. Believers are admonished not to lie. Do not turn there, but I want you to see. In the church of Ephesus, the church of Colossae, there were Christians who lied. And so Paul addresses it. And look what he says in Ephesians 4.25. He says, wherefore, put away what? Now, to put it away, it has to be there to be found there. So listen, Christian, if you're here today and you lie, you say there's not that big a thing as part of your life, you do it occasionally, maybe all the time, sometime, rarely, 
God says, put it away. Put away lying and speak every man truth to his neighbor. Colossians says, chapter 3, verse 9, lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man. Now this is saying if you put off the action, the deeds of the old, old man, the old nature, God says do that. That's part of lying. So it is practiced among Christians in the New Testament, and tragically today probably is practiced among, maybe I say, some here today. So number one, we looked at the character of God. We looked at the enemy of God. We saw the word of God. Now let's finish with some truth. We're going to wrap it up now. The truth is, letter A, lying is sin and always wrong. Lying is sin and always wrong. Now, sometimes we say, well, it's not that bad. It's not that wrong because I'm trying to protect myself. I've done something wrong. I don't want to get in trouble, so I'm going to find refuge in lies. And yet the, the truth is, please don't miss that. Lying is sin and always wrong. My dad was a man who hated lying. And he tried to instill that in his kids. And uh, I saw how much he hated it when I lied to him. So again, as far as I know, since that time, I never lied to my dad again. But the truth is, lying is sin, always wrong. Number two, or letter B, we're almost done here. God delights in those that tell the truth. Because remember, what is the character of God? God cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie. And the God of heaven delights in those who tell the truth. I, I don't know about you. Can I be transparent with you? I, I want to delight my God. He's been so good to me. First of all, he saved me. He's given me eternal life. He's had mercy upon me and forgiven me and made me a part of his own family. And as a child of God, I long to delight my God. Now, do I always do that? No. <laughs> or I still do things wrong. But... Overall, it's my sincere desire to delight my God. And the Bible tells us that God delights in those who tell the truth. We saw this verse already, Proverbs 12, 22. Lying lips are abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his light. You want God to delight in you? You know, as a boy, uh, I learned in my relationship with dad, I wanted to please my dad. When I pleased my dad, I was happy. Now, did I always please him? No, I've got memories of times I didn't. But I wanted to do that. And as a Christian, I hope it's your heart's desire to please your father, your heavenly father. And realize he delights in you when you tell the truth. He hates it when you lie. But when you tell the truth and say things are truly, God delights in that. Let us see, lastly. We're talking about the truth is lying is sin and it's always wrong. God delights in those who tell the truth. And lastly, let us see, God is grieved when we lie. God is grieved when we lie. Because the character of God is God cannot lie. He hates lying. When we lie, it grieves him. Proverbs, I'm sorry, Ephesians 4 let me quote the verse, and I'll back up and tell you what the context here. Ephesians 4.30, talking about the Holy Spirit of God, which is God himself. Ephesians 4.30 says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you are sealed on the day of redemption. And he said that, let me back up and I'll close with this. And that's Ephesians 4.30. Ephesians 4.25, God says, Wherefore, put away lying. Ephesians 4.26, Be angry and sin not. 
Ephesians 4.28, let him that stole steal no more. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication be seen out of your mouth. Now, based upon them four admonitions, he says, listen, Christian, grieve not the Holy Spirit. So, as a believer, when you choose to lie, to not be truthful, whatever reason you may rationalize, my friend, God's grieved with you. But he delights those who tell the truth. And so I pray as a Christian that you be along in desire to please God, that he may look upon you and smile. Because there is a young man, a young woman, who delights in pleasing me. And when we do lie and we grieve God, if we confess our sin, he's what? Faithful and just to forgive. So tonight I'd like to look at basically what the Bible says about lying. When I, again, watch television and watch uh, things about our politicians, I, I just cannot believe how they lie. I mean, just both. It's something that they know is not true, and they say it anyway, and try to make themselves look good, and they probably take refuge in lying. My friend, that ought not be of God's people. Lying ought to be something that you do not ever do, because it is wrong. We saw tonight the truth about lying. Let's bow together, please. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, as among God's people, and no one's looking around but your pastor, how many would say, honestly tonight, Pastor, that message was for me? I've looked upon lying as something not that bad and not that big a thing, and, and something that maybe I was raised in a family that my family did it, or I'm around people that do it all the time, and just, and everybody else seems to be doing it. I never thought about it from God's perspective. But now I see what the Bible says about it. We, I see the truth about lying. And pastor, I want to be a person with God's character. I want to be a person delight, that God can delight in, that God smiles upon because I want to be a person of truth. If that's your prayer tonight, with heads bowed and eyes closed, would you simply raise your hand so I can pray for you, please? Anywhere at all? Yes, God bless you and you and you and you. God bless you. I pray that you will be a person of truth, just like the God of heaven is. Father in heaven, we talked about a subject that we all know before I even preach that it's wrong. Yet so many of us, even as believers, we can rationalize because it is not, we look upon not big a thing. But we saw when you listed six things you hate, you showed us that it is a big thing. It is something that you detest, something that is outright wrong, is contrary to your nature, and is, it is a way, the nature of the enemy of God, Satan himself. So, Father, may we take the notes that were filled out tonight and take these home and meditate upon them. Go back to them over again and ask the Holy Spirit to give us the attitude of God towards this action that is so prevalent today, the action of lying. For us, in Jesus' name, amen.